Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Superior Plus 2021 Third Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question at that time, please press star then one on your touchstone telephone. I will now like to turn the conference over to your host, Mr. Rob Doran, Vice President, Investor Relations and Treasurer. Sir, please begin. Thank you, Valerie. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Superior Plus's conference call and webcast to review our 2021 third quarter results. Joining on the call today are Luke Desjardins, President and CEO, Beth Summers, Executive VP and CFO, and Darren Rebar, Senior VP and Chief Legal Officer. Today's call is being webcast, and we encourage listeners to follow along with the supporting presentation, which is also available on our website. For this morning's call, Luke and Beth will begin with their prepared remarks, and then we will open up the call for questions. Before I turn the call to Luke, I'd like to remind you that some of the comments made today may be forward-looking in nature and are based on Superior's current expectations, estimates, judgments, projections, and risks. Further, some of the information provided refers to non-GAAP measures. Please refer to Superior's third quarter MDNA posted on CDAR and Superior's website yesterday for further details on forward-looking information and non-GAAP measures. I would encourage listeners to review the MDNA as it includes more detail on the financial information for the third quarter as we won't be going over each financial metric on today's call. This will allow us to move more quickly into the question and answer period. I'll now turn the call over to Luke. Well, thank you, Rob, and good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining the call. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. I'd like to start the call by thanking our entire Superior Plus team. I'm proud of our team's commitment to safety, reliability, and we continue to provide essential fuel and services to our customers, whether our employees or out in the field and working remotely. We're making good progress in our Superior Way Forward growth plan to acquisition, continuous improvement in organic growth, in the past 12 months, we've announced and complete $625 million of propane acquisition, including the acquisition of Camp Propane in 2021, and we have announced or completed approximately $600 million of acquisition, which is over 30% of our $1.9 billion target set for Superior Way Forward Acquisition Initiative. So we're well on our way to achieve our acquisition target through 2026. We have a proven track record of executing on our synergy targets for acquisition, and we target 25% improvement in the EBITDA of businesses we acquire by optimizing the operation, utilizing the superior way of trading platform, and leveraging our larger scale as we are reducing redundant operating and back office functions. And on September 23rd, we've announced that we receive a request for additional information from the FTC related to our proposed acquisition of the company that makes up Camp Propane in California. We must provide this additional information to the authorities before we're able to close the transaction. 
In the current environment, U.S. regulator authorities are taking more time in re reviewing more information on energy-related transactions before making decisions, which is pushing out the timing of the deal. Due to this continued review, we anticipate the closing of CAMP will incur in the first quarter of 2022. We still expect to finish within our adjusted EBITDA guidance range of 390 to 420 million in 2021, even though the closing of CAMP has been delayed, which demonstrates the resilience of our business and the positive impact of the efficiency improvement and sales and marketing initiative taking as part of our superior way forward plan. On the financial and operating results, our third quarter results were modestly higher than the prior year, driven by improved sales volume and average margin, as well as a decrease in corporate costs. The increase in sales volume and margin were offset in part by higher operating costs, particularly in the U.S., due to the recent acquisition the third quarter is a seasonally lowest quarter due to the lack of eating demand in many of our regions. As a result, the increased operating costs from acquisition recently completed more than have said the increase in gross profit. So the bottom line is you end up with the full cost, but you have less volume in those quarter two and three, so therefore more difficult to add profit, which comes in quarter four as well as quarter one of every year. For reference to the third quarter, just a bit of 13 million represents approximately 3% of our annual adjusted EBITDA based on the midpoint of our 2021 guidance. In the third quarter, U.S. propane results decreased compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to the higher incremental operating expense related to acquisition, partially offset by higher average margin and higher sales volume related to your incremental contribution from acquisition. U.S. propane EBITDA from operation in 2021 is anticipated to be higher than 2020, primarily due to the impact of acquisition complete in 2020 and in 2021, benefits from the superior weight and decisional workforce optimization initiative, and realized synergy from acquisition. Canada propane results for the third quarter were modestly lower than the prior year quarter, primarily due to the decrease in benefit from the CWS, partially offset by an increase in average margin and volume. We're seeing modest improvement in commercial and wholesale volume in our Canadian propane distribution business as COVID-19 restrictions continue to be lifted. Canadian propane EBITDA from operation 2021 anticipated to be lower than 2020, primarily due to the decrease in average unit margin as well as reduction in the CW benefit. We're optimistic more than COVID-19 restriction will be lifted in fourth quarter and for the coming 2022 year, allowing our commercial customer to operate at a higher capacity, which is expected to increase propane demand when COVID is more behind us. I'll now turn the call over to Beth to discuss the financial results in more detail. Thank you, Luke, and good morning, everyone. Superior generated third quarter adjusted EBITDA of 13 million, a 2.2 million or 20% increase over the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower corporate costs, partially offset by lower EBITDA from operations in U.S. propane. The third quarter net loss from continuing operations was 35.9 million, 
compared to a net loss of $26.1 million in the prior year quarter. The primary driver for the higher net loss was the increase in selling, distribution, and administrative costs, and a decrease in gains on derivatives, partially offset by the increase in gross profit and decrease in finance expense. Our consolidated uh, AOCS before transaction and other costs for the third quarter was negative $4.8 million, a $7.9 million increase compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower interest expense, higher adjusted EBITDA, and lower cash tax. Turning now to the individual business results, U.S. propane EBITDA from operations was negative $7.8 million a decrease of $3.8 million from the prior year quarter, primarily due to higher operating costs, partially offset by higher sales volumes and higher average margins. Residential and wholesale sales volumes were consistent with the prior year quarter, primarily due to acquisitions offset by the impact from warmer weather. Average weather is measured by degree days across markets where the U.S. propane operates was 17% warmer than the prior year quarter. Commercial sales volumes were 13% higher compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to incremental volumes from acquisitions and the easing of COVID-19 restrictions. Average margins were 37.9 cents per liter, which is 4% higher than the prior year quarter. This is primarily due to our continued focus on growth of high margin propane customers partially offset by the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar on the translation of the U.S.-denominated gross profit and customer mix. Operating costs increased by 20% compared to the prior year quarter due to acquisitions, partially offset by workforce optimization initiatives, realized synergies, and the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar on U.S.-denominated expenses. Canadian propane EBITDA from operations of $21.2 million was consistent with the prior year quarter as higher sales volumes and higher average margins were offset by higher operating costs. Residential sales volumes were consistent with the prior year quarter as the impact of acquisitions completed during the first quarter was offset by warmer weather. The average weather across Canada for the third quarter as measured by degree days was 15% warmer than the prior year. Commercial sales volumes were also consistent with the prior year quarter, as increased demand from the oil field and remote camp businesses were offset by declines in some other segments, such as reseller or agent demand relating to the easing of COVID-19 restrictions. Wholesale propane volumes were 7% higher compared to the prior year quarter due to increased demand in the California market related to the easing of COVID-19 restrictions and to a lesser extent, sales and marketing efforts to increase third-party spot price wholesale propane sales. Average margins were 9% higher than the prior year quarter due to the timing of carbon offset credit sales and the impact of weaker wholesale propane market fundamentals in the prior year quarter. Operating costs increased by 19% compared to the prior year quarter due to the impact from the CEWS benefit. And in the prior year, the CEWS benefit was higher due to significant impact on customer demand in the early stages of the pandemic. Lastly, the corporate results, the adjusted EBITDA guidance as well as leverage. 
The corporate operating costs were $1 million. This was a decrease of $6.1 million compared to the $7.1 million in the prior year quarter. This was primarily due to lower long-term incentive plan costs related to share price declines in the current quarter. Interest costs decreased 21% compared to the prior year quarter due to lower average debt levels and lower average interest rates. Superior's total net debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio for the trailing 12 months ended September 30th, 2021, with 3.5 times, which is at the higher end of Superior's long-term range target of three to three and a half times. We're confirming our 2021 adjusted EBITDA guidance range of 390 million to 420 million with a midpoint of 405 million, even though we had previously expected camps would contribute to the business in 2021. For the remainder of 2021, we anticipate average weather to be consistent with the five-year average for the U.S. and Canada and wholesale propane fundamentals to be consistent for, uh, with the first nine months. With that, I'll turn the call over to Q&A. Thank you. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star than one on your touchstone telephone. Again, to ask a question, please press star than one. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Our first question comes from David Newman of DJR. Your line is open. Good morning, folks. Good morning. You can hear me okay? Yes, sir. Very good. Very good. Uh, just looking at camps here, um, I understand, you know, the FTC has one request, but maybe just the nature of the second request here. And if we're modeling this up, I mean, obviously camps is going to be kind of in the wheelhouse of the, the winter. Should we be modeling uh, mid-quarter, end of quarter, beginning of quarter? Uh, because obviously it will have a, a, an impact on, on, the, on one Q. Absolutely. I think we'll start with uh, Darwin Rivar on the FTC. Darwin is our chief legal officer here, and he's in the weeds of that on a daily basis. So, excellent. Yeah. No, I think um, you know, as we announced previously, uh, we received the second request uh, September 23rd, 
Um, so since that time, we've been working cooperatively with the FTC and, and CAMPS has as well uh, as they conduct the review of the transaction. And you know, as we work through that, there's a fair amount of data that we have to provide. Um, they you know determine what the custodians are, and we work through that process. I think that's where we where we sort of find ourselves. Um, you know, thinking that, look, by the time we get all of that material submitted, um, the second request is going to take us uh, in, into closing sometime in the first quarter. And, and if I'm modeling this up, any, any, any sense of what, you know, we should be thinking about where, where do we place the close? Hard to predict. Huh? I would say, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll explain first what's happening in, in this more color is that our market position in California is driven with CAM very low and retail questions from the FTC are not non-existent but not that much. So Yeah, because you're not bumping up against any market share here, no Herfindahl or whatever they use for their index. I mean you're you're clearly your market share is not you're not dominating or constant have the concentration in that market, right, Luke? No, I think what's happening is they receive order from uh, Washington that yeah. everything that's oil and gas should be reviewed in a second request. The retail is pretty plain vanilla, not much uh, going there with a, large, a lot of competition and we're not big share at all. I think the wholesale is more complex for them to understand who will carry the wholesale supplier from where, and that's a it is complex, and there's a lot of suppliers, and it comes sometimes from Canada or their wholesalers. And I think that whole area is where they're drilling down more to understand it. I guess they're preparing themselves for all future acquisition in this uh, propane world. So, not to worry much about what's going on in the in the overall, because we know the numbers are all good enough to just pass go, but it's something now that we have to do. And to your timing, and I'll ask Beth if she has a better view of the timing it's, uh, or Darren. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I have a better view of the timing and to be consistent, but it's always hard to anticipate um, from a regulatory perspective what the timing will be. For sure. So I, what I would say is maybe to be conservative, um, assume it's towards the end of right. the quarter or at the end of the quarter, okay. and to give you a bit of a sense, you know, probably the way to think about it is Q1 would likely generate in the range of 50 million U.S. or 15, 15. Yeah. Got it. Okay, very good. And switching gears over to this environment, which is uh, absolutely crazy. I think the propane prices are the highest since uh, 2014. If I look at it. Um, and just kind of wondering a couple things. Obviously, exports going out of the country. Um, I know that you guys contract your supply in the spring, you know, and, and does that get you through the winter? And and how much wiggle room you have on, you know, rack plus plus. In other words, your ability to actually price up in this kind of market and, and, and just, you know, the speed at which you can get that through. Maybe just, a good, just a, the dynamics of the market right now. I'll take the first part that has to do with our market, and Ben can take the second part as to how we're positioned for the winter for supply. So, we all, the, for us, when the, you look at our segment and customers, it's a pass-through. 
so we expect to be paid for inflation and we we'll expect to be paid and we will be paid for added value service. So the margins uh, are going to be as good as ever on what we sell. And then from a wholesale and then from a supply, uh, that can explain what's happening there. Yeah, so to talk about just the general market fundamentals, um, so in the U.S., I think starting to drive some of that higher pricing is first off, it does tend to be linked to overall commodity prices, in particular crude. So as crude has been increasing over the last three quarters, we've also seen propane increasing a fair bit. Um, so consistent with the overall market. Um, and actually, we've seen somewhat a bit of a return to normal as a percentage of crude where for a period of time it was down more around 50%, 55%, where it's creeping up, you know, back to that 70%, which is probably more of a historic percentage of crude-type pricing. Right. But fundamentally, part of the drivers from a supply perspective, so U.S. inventories are low, um, but if you look at it, where in the U.S. where they're low um, differs. So they tend to be quite low, um, from the three-year average when you're looking in the Gulf Coast, which is where exports are occurring. When you look to, you know, the markets where we're in, so if you think about the Northeast, actually the inventory levels are, are okay. And this isn't a production. There is a lot of production, and production is higher. Um, if you look at it somewhat on a year-over-year -year basis, it is linked to the exports driving it. And that does have an influence on the overall pricing. Now, Canada is a little bit of a different story. I think the increase in Canada is getting linked to that overall commodity increasing, but from an inventory perspective, where it's actually quite healthy, um, a little lower than it was than last year or below last year, but it is higher than the three-year average for inventory levels. And it does tend to east inventory levels are higher um, than we would have seen in previous years, which I suspect are just people mitigating some of that risk from line five. Mm -hmm. So you see some higher there. So the supply, the supply is sitting where um, we need it. From our perspective, getting back to your question around the contract years, you're correct. Our contracting year um, is from April to the end of March, and we're, we're comfortable. We have all of our contracts in place, and we have all the supply that we require um, contracted through the year, so we're comfortable that we have what we need and that we'll be able to get it when we need it for that security supply for our customers. Excellent. And it looks like Washington might not be so quick to uh, back Michigan on this Line 5 dispute, which is good to see. So I'll hand over the line now. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Ben Isaacson of Scotiabank. Your line is open. Thank you, and uh, good morning, everybody. Um, Luke and Beth, just uh, three non-operational questions. Uh, first, I believe you met with M&B um, recently. Um, can you just highlight how that went and uh, whether there was anything interesting uh, to pass on? Yes, they, they came uh, to visit this week, so we've had a good session uh, to talk about our, what we have in the public market on our five-year plan and our acquisition, the 25% improvement on the 18 deals we've done, and they're extremely <laughs> impressed and excited. And they did, uh, they met the management, uh, everyone in my direct report, and a few additional uh, people during the afternoon. 
there they walked away saying, wow, the transparency, the openness, the clarification of where we're at. First time we met in person, they were really, really, really impressed. And their position is to be a good anchor investor at the rate they are now, and not to have any play to go further than their position of around, you know, uh, being an anchor investor. That's their position. That's what they're convinced us they want to do. Uh, so good relation. Uh, as we grow, they intend to be there and participate, and they like the business. They like the management. They like our market position and what we've been able to accomplish in the last few years. They're, I would say, extremely impressed. They had one big core business. They sold the rest. And what they're doing now, they're investing, uh, diversifying their family money into taking a position in different companies like they did to us. So, so Luke, um, just to reiterate, was there any uh, discussion about uh, a board seat or seats? And I just want to make sure I understand clearly, they do not intend to go above 19.9. Is that right? Yeah, they, they, the board seat wasn't discussed. At this stage, it might come later, but it certainly wasn't discussed. And from a position, being an anchor investor, they certainly don't intend to take a majority position in the company. And on Darren, if there's anything else, you can be more precise on that. Yeah, I think you're just alluding to like under securities law and under our SRP, they, they wouldn't be able to go beyond 20%. Um, and so uh, I think their actions have been completely consistent with that and, and that of staying a supportive anchor investor. Great, thanks. Uh, my second question is uh, back to camps. Um, I know the, the uh, FTC um, uh, review is focused on wholesale, and uh, I believe FTC doesn't look at deals under $100 million. So with that context, can you talk about whether this review has changed uh, or evolved your strategy in terms of um, uh, what you do in the future from a consolidation viewpoint? No, as you know, this deal is uh, over $200 million, so it uh, was a deal they had to review. Uh, I personally think, and I'm glad you asked the question, I don't think we'll have any issue buying retail business buying in the States uh, in the years to come. We're positioned where a market share is 70% independent. Our position is good, good, good. If we do deals that are small in the 100, then we don't even have to go to them, but over that we do and we will. And I think today what we've learned is we expect when we do deals, go to uh, more than, they'll do a lot of, of deep uh, search like they're doing now to uh, make sure that uh, oil and gas remain competitive. It's a long way to go before uh, I think we have real issues. Wholesale, like I said earlier, it is complex and when you think of who buy, who supplies what where, uh, camp supplies to 14 different states and they don't have a big position and those 13 of the 14 states. Um, in California, it's not even that much, but it's, uh, so you kind of a, have a good feeling that, well, this should pass, you know, the, 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 the threshold that they have to review businesses. So, no, I, I think the message I think I would like everybody to leave with is we're gonna do a lot of retail acquisition and we don't expect 
that we're not going to close on the deals we're going to make. Right. Uh, thank you. And just my, my final question, we've talked in the past about uh, customer churn in this environment of uh, high propane prices. I'm just wondering if you have any new data points or color on the rate of that churn. Have you seen customers switching out or switching in to Superior uh, at, a, at a higher rate recently than in, in the past? Yeah, there's certainly no switch during the winter time. Uh, there's a story which shows there's more turn when price goes up. I kind of feel personally that's a big thing of you know, experience and where I'm sitting at with the work we do with the businesses. I don't think it'll be as big as other years that the price went up for a couple of reasons. There'll be less switching due to COVID. People are, and I think most importantly, Everything is called energy is going up like crazy. And if you think of commercial industrial customers, they get it. When you think of residential customers, they would type to look at, wow, my, the price of my propane went up 1000 to $2,000 more. I'm going to look at other supplier. But then they go to the filled up their car, and they're aware of the price being so high everywhere. So I think that might put a bit of a... Uh, less pressure on turn, but we do know that turns happens more. We get more new customer and we lose more customer. So there's a cost issue to in and out of that, not ideal. But uh, I don't know. Without the price, residential usually are not so aware why they're charging me so much. I think they are today because they go to the tank for their car and they say, oh yeah, that's like in the year everywhere in the newspaper and radio, every small town, you know, everybody talks about that. So hopefully that doesn't create the, the type of turn that uh, historically when the prices are very hard, as we've seen. But there's a cost to in and out, but at the end we'll probably end up at the same place because all our competitors are in the same position. I think, Beth, anything you would add to that? No, I think I think it's, you know, it's, it's one loop where I, you know, Reiterating everything you said, it fundamentally will have a better sense if, you know, what the impact potentially would be once you get out of the winter months. So it would be more of it in April, April, May, I think we would have a better sense. But that being said, I mean, the reality is they still need the propane. So for those that just are doing it because of sticker shock, they're going to change from one to another. So we'll be picking up as well, um, depending on those attrition levels. So I think net-net to the business, I think we're comfortable from a, a volume perspective. But as Luke said, it, it could have some, some impact on margins just because your new customer margin is different with introductory pricing, et cetera, than um, a retained customer. That makes sense. Okay, great. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Our next question comes from Joel Jackson of BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, I have a, a few questions. I'll, I'll go one at a time. Um, just first on the 2021 bridge, uh, so you're able to hold the midpoint of the, gui the guidance range, excuse me, uh, despite camps pushing out into early next year. Can we talk about, uh, can you please elaborate on what the offsets were in terms of better fundamentals, CWS benefit, uh, better volume than you thought that was able to offset the $10 million? Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a few color and, and Beth will add uh, to complete the answer for you. 
Uh, we're certainly getting good retail, the consumer uh, residential growth in Canada. Our marketing and sales uh, uh, are humming well, our digital approach and connection with these customers, and our brand that's known so when people look at propane, uh, Superior gets a lot of calls, they get 6,000 a year. So we're, uh, we're humming in that regard. We've been uh, uh, very careful on costs, as we've always been, and we've seen some cost reduction and improvement in you know, the overall company. Uh, we certainly uh, expect to make the same margin, and we uh, charge for inflation is there more than in the past, but we'll cover inflation with pricing, so we don't want to lose any benefit from uh, pricing from the service we render to customer. You're getting, and, and I'm sure you all get it on the call, that quarter two and three with our acquisition we made went up with way more costs in the, to the 20% and, and 5% of the sales, so not great, but then you get to quarter four, quarter one, and you have all the sales coming, so you're rebalancing properly uh, the, the profitability of a, over a year. So. There might be additional point, Beth, that you can see. In well, well, I would say one way of thinking about it is um, part of it is from where our expectations were, Q3 was an overperformance. So that would have been above where you originally expected it to be. I think from a pricing perspective, they were quite high when it comes to the carbon credits. Again, that's, you know, in your range of sort of, Two to five million, but that being said, that pricing was higher, so there's a bit of a pickup there. Um, you know, from an LTIP perspective, that would be a little different. And then, you know, the reality is wage subsidy potentially a little higher than we might have originally um, been expecting. So when you look at that overperformance and the reasons that Luke's um, alluding to, you know, we had roughly that eight to ten million dollar range we were expecting from camps this year. When you look at all of the various pieces, we're still comfortable that we'll be in line now with the uh, guidance of that 490 to 520, or 390, 390. 390. Yeah, that, would be, that would be really good. That would be a really good year. It'll happen, it'll happen, but not this year. Okay, and then, so if we look at 2022 with, you know, trying to bridge what we could see in 2022, a lot of moving parts, obviously. I Hopefully, you'll have the camps deal done in early twenty, early part of the year. Don't exactly know when. You have maybe some other tuck-ins you might do. You won't get maybe the same level of CW's benefits, hopefully, for society uh, if uh, you know, we're done through COVID. Can you walk us through, you know, what 2022 could look like uh, trying to bridge the different components? So, so the backlog for acquisition continue to be very strong. That's one thing. Uh, me, I would be... If I was you, I would be conservative on CAM because we don't control the exact dates. I would say, too bad we're missing you know, January, February, or parts of the quarter one goes away. Uh, the CLW from the government, uh, of course, is gone. And then you have the return of COVID and commercial industrial Canada not fully returning. Uh, the the, the uh, government grant goes faster away than the return after COVID. We still own those customers, those tanks, and the volume of commercial industrial is not what it was prior to COVID. And I don't think it'll come back until 2023. So big picture, those are, I would say, my bullet points that I would uh, mention, and I'll pass it to Beth for additional. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think you've covered all of the key, you know, areas that'll be impacting us in 2022. From an actual guidance perspective, um, we'll issue guidance for 2022 when we issue our Q4 results, which should be consistent with what we've been doing in the past. And just on this, my last question, it also relates back to a question that Ben asked a little bit earlier. So, you, you know, you, don't, you think your pipeline for tuck-ins and acquisitions remains the same despite, you know, some of the stuff coming from the FTC. Now, does this mean, though, that you need to budget now for longer approval periods so your tuck-in program has a bit of a delay, I guess, right now, because you have to assume that the tuck-in will take longer to get approval, if that makes any sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good question. But... You know, we thought we would do 1.9 billion by 2026. Well, we did done a third of that. So what's happening right now, for a multitude of reasons, from entrepreneur independent that are in the propane industry, uh, will you know the average of we thought we'd do 250, 300 a year. Uh, it's more than that this year, like double and, and that. So I think we'll do more than that next year too. But as you know, we don't put that in our guidance, because when are we coming to what, what size of EBITDA, and then the synergy comes the year after. So we're, we're not prepared to put any acquisition in the forecast, because we don't want to mislead the market, uh, and then find out that uh, it takes more time, or a deal is too many small mid-size, or not enough mid-larger size. So net-net, I think we're going to do Maybe not as much as this year, but more than the average of 250, 300 in 2022. I think we're going to be above that. Yeah, and, and the, the only other thing I think I'd add, Luke, is that, you know, I think in terms of the timing on, you know, future transactions, I, I think with camps, it's a bit of a unique situation with the, with the wholesale business and, and a different uh, position. Most of the retail, um, you know, acquisitions that we've done are pure retail and highly fragmented market where you've got, you know, similar to California, you know, very little overlap. And then uh, even where there is, there's a significant number of uh, uh, competitors. Um, you know, in some of those places, it's 12, 13 competitors. So I, I don't think that you're going to see that. And then there's just the, you know, the, the fact that when you're looking at these tuck-in acquisitions, you know, the, they, they have to go over the threshold of the 90 million or whatever it is in the U.S. So there's not a significant portion of those that are at that level. So I, I don't think it's going to gonna change uh, how we look at that. But certainly for something like camps, it's, it, you know, it is going to cause us a little bit of delay. Uh, good point. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. I'm showing no further questions at this time. I'm going to turn the call back over to Luke Desjardins, President and CEO, for any closing remarks. Yeah, so I'd like to thank our management and employees. Very proud of all of our accomplishments to date in 2021. Uh, the action and the continuous improvement uh, are there. And the COVID, how we adjust to that, uh, it's quite, quite extraordinary. So in the customer service and the Customer gain are good, so even though it's a small quarter, uh, I feel very good and we're in a great position. I think the quarter shows though the trend and the momentum that we have, and it's really when you think we're losing the EBITDA of camp in the, the winter time of this fourth quarter, and we're talking about guidance beyond that, 
we're pretty satisfied and pretty we're going to continue to do to improve our, our company at any level so small quarter but a good trend and a good direction we're, we're on so thank you everyone to participate in our call thank you ladies and gentlemen this does conclude today's conference thank you all for participating you may now just have a great day Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.